Before we begin, a disclaimer. This podcast is for information only. I am not a mental health or medical professional, nor are my guests unless otherwise stated. My guests and I do not speak for or represent any recovery programs or workshops. I do not sell ads on this podcast, and I do not make any money from it. And finally, I want to warn you that some episodes may contain content about emotional, physical, and sexual abuse, which some listeners may find triggering or dysregulating. Hello, and welcome to the Loving Parent Podcast. If you're new here, this is where we explore the ideas of becoming our own loving parents and reparenting our trauma to build resilience. If you've been here before, welcome back. My name is Brita, and I'm your host. One of the things that we talked a lot about in in the beginning was learning about what our needs are and how to get our needs met. So I took this very seriously and, you know, learned about mental and emotional, physical, spiritual, and something else. I can't remember what it is. But anyway, I was really into trying to get my needs met and standing up for myself and asking for what I wanted. And so I thought, you know, I'll offer Richard that opportunity too. You know, I'll say, so what, what would you like for dinner? What do you want to do? And he said, nothing. I don't have any needs. And that lasted for nine years. And then one day he said, I need something. I don't even remember what it was. And I remember thinking, oh, shit. I knew this was going to happen. I'm thrilled that it happened. And now I'm going to have to learn to live with this guy all over again. And the other thing I want to clear up from last time, where are you? (laughs) Yeah, that's a lost child. He hides in the corner. Um, Not anymore. Yeah, the other thing, he has it in his hand. Because he didn't have any needs and he didn't have any way to respond to me when I get upset, and he still does this a lot, he'll just listen and he goes, "Uh uh-huh, 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 and it's just flat. And I'm just pissed and I'm screaming and yelling and I get, "Uh uh-huh. And (laughs) so finally I said, okay, I need something from you. I got to have some kind of feedback. And he says, I don't know what you want. And it reminded me of my dad saying to my mother one time, what do you expect, Barbara? Reciprocation? (laughs) So I said, okay. And I typed up this little card. And it says, what to say to Brita Brita when she's upset. (laughs) You can read them out. You can tell about getting them out. It says, if the guys are taking notes, it comes in really handy. Makes you great. I can tell you're really upset. And like, I already can see that. I just don't know how to say it. Yeah, that, I see that. That sounds awful, frustrating, etc. You have every right to be fill in the blank. I'd like to help. You did the best you could. I think it's going to be okay. We'll get through this. Let's take a walk and talk about it. And I, it, it's in my wallet. That's where it's been for years. And I take it out. I hear some guy, you know, talking about it. It's like, make him a copy. Try this, you know. Yeah. 
I mean, we just had to figure this out because we didn't have a lot of role models of people doing healthy relationships. And, you know, people got into relationships and, and most of them didn't work out. I think I know of one other one that did. Can't think of the names right now. But anyway, we just made up our minds we were going to figure this out. All right, so happy child. I said I would stop there. I took a self-esteem class using a book by a woman named Jean Ilsley Clark. It's called Self-Esteem, A Family Affair, and it's about reparenting. You can probably still buy that book. And I thought, this is what all the other people need to parent themselves and to parent their kids. And it was all about how you could give kids self-esteem. And I just loved it. So I took the class actually several times. And how did you end up finding no idea. children are people? I have no idea. I just know I got there. Okay. Well, he heard about this group called Children Are People. And they were having a training in Detroit. So he and his teddy bear, literally his teddy bear, went on the airplane with him. They went to Detroit and they learned about this curriculum for kids, for young kids from alcoholic and addicted families. And so he came back and he was going to do this at one of the local recovery centers. And he, actually, there was a group going on there. That's what it was. You tell it. You tell it. So... She was talking about relationships. So we thought we were the wizards of relationships. We're like five years, maybe. Yeah, maybe a little more than five, somewhere around there. So we started this business called Relationships in Recovery. And we started putting on workshops, you know, like the blind leading the blind. But we thought we were right on and we did it. And somebody told me, he said, you know, we teach what we need to learn. Amen. Okay, that's what we're doing here, you know. So she read, read this thing, Daniel C. Clark. For some reason, I don't even know how, but I saw this curriculum. It was called Children Are People. And there was a lady named Raquel Lerner who had a lot to do with partner of hers, Barbara Naditz. And they put together this curriculum. It was back in the East Coast, uh, Minneapolis somewhere. And they did groups back there for kids. And they were targeted kids aged 5 to 12 that came from alcoholic dysfunctional families. So... I don't know why, but I decided that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to learn that. <laughs> One day I was out for a walk, and I'm walking down the street, and Happy Child just came into my mind. I have no idea why. And I called her up, and I said, we're changing the name. you know. And I told her what it was, and she agreed, which mystified me. But <laughs> it was perfect, because we did that like for 10 years. She, she applied for a government grant. She didn't know anything about grant writing, so... I gave her the money to go to San Francisco to go through the training. She came back, wrote a grant, turned it in, flunked. But they sent back a report card, and it said, change this, 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 and resubmit. So she changed this, 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 and this. And my job was to go to the P.O. box and see if there was a letter, you know. So I go down there one day, and a letter from the government comes, and she's, okay, read it to me. And it said she scored in the 98th percentile which puts her up in the top 2% of the people that applied, and we got the grant, and we ran a program for five years. Yeah. Had a really nice business. Oh, yeah. I can go all over the place with you this. You are going all over Well, let me finish with all this. All right, go ahead. So <laughs> we, we worked together. She was the executive director, and I was the director of children's services because that was my specialty. And we had a suite of, uh-uh, okay. We had a suite of offices. She was down there. I was over here. And one day I just thought, I'm going to kill her. 
I'm going to kill her. I'm going to get divorced. This is not going to turn out well. And I thought, well, you've got a job to go back to. So I just went down one day and told her, I'm quitting. <laughs> I'm done. I can't work with you. I'm sorry. It's not you. It's just something happens inside of me, and I can't do that. So, Actually, what happened was he said, one of us has to go. And I said, I have put myself on the back burner for every husband I've ever had. I have quit college. I have quit jobs. I have put myself down, and I'm not doing this again. My name's on the door, and I'm not leaving. And he said, okay, then I am. What we did was we took volunteers, and they, most of them were in recovery. We tried professionals once, and it was a miserable failure. And we taught them how to do these curriculum. One of them was the happy child, the children are people, that we rewrote and made it more what we wanted it to be. So Richard worked with the kids, and we taught volunteers how to work with the kids. And I took what I had gotten out of that self-esteem workshop and wrote a curriculum called... Um, what did we call that? I mean, the, the kids is happy child. The parents is secret families, problem families. We had it translated into Spanish. We trained Spanish-speaking volunteers. We did it for five years all over the county. And it was a wonderful experience. We learned so much about ourselves. And I know we helped a lot of people. Um, it was free. The government paid for everything. We researched it. And... One of the interesting things about the research was when the families first started coming to the groups, they had to do a survey, and on the survey, they looked perfect. They just looked like the greatest families ever. And at the end of the 10-week group, their scores went way down. And the people in Washington, D.C., and the federal government said, this is not right. You can't be giving these people all this information, and their scores go down. And I said, you don't understand. These families are in denial. They had no idea how bad things were at their houses till they started taking the classes. And we let them take them as many times as they wanted. And over time, their scores started coming back up. And we researched them for five years. We followed some of these kids literally for five years. And at the end of the five years, we gave our kids the same survey about drug and alcohol use that the high schools here use, that the federal government gives them. And... We had hoped, because children of alcoholics and addicts usually use at about twice the rate of the general population, so we had hoped that our kids would be, you know, about the rate of the general population. We thought if we could get them up there, we'd be doing great. They used at four times less the rate of the general population. So we helped a lot of kids and a lot of families, and that was a lot of our life for a long time, you know, that, and we learned a lot about ourselves. Is there anything you want to say about Happy Child? Yeah, that. And okay. Get like when this, I, the reason I got into that is because I wanted to offer something, a safe place for kids to come, where they could come and be who they were, not have anybody fuck with them in any way, you know, just to be there for them. And I got about, that's probably before we got, we got funded. Yeah, probably before the grant, yeah. The kids were just pushing all of my buttons. And I thought I had dealt with all my incest stuff, you know. Well, they poked every button I had that was connected to that. And I said, I have to quit. I have to go into therapy and figure out what's going on here. And I did. I got involved in an organization called Parents United. And the county runs it. And they, the organization, the county takes kids out of the homes, you know. 
and then they make the adults go to classes to deal with the stuff. And then I mean, there's horrible. Some level of, a number of adult children come to the class. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, they let me in. And I was sitting in class one night, and there was a guy, well, before the guy, I, I got cold. And I was sitting in, you know, these little school desk chairs, and my chair's like levitating, you know. And the therapist says, what's going on? And just out of my mouth comes, that guy over there's my grandfather, and I'm trying to get it out of my body. You know, I had never, ever, ever said that before. And this guy was a dead ringer for my grandfather. And I told him, you know, right to his face, he had molested his granddaughter. And the following week, I brought a picture of my grandfather in and showed it to him. I said, look, you know, you guys are twin brothers, and it's the same energy. And I'm telling you, for three years, I was nuts. I mean, nuts. I would go there two nights a week, scream all the way there, scream all the way home, and sleep with my teddy bear. It's like I would tell her, not tonight, not tonight. I, I, it's not you, it's me, and I need my bear. That's a memory that has to come up for a while, isn't it? And that's when I grew. Yeah. That is when I grew, because that's when I started having needs. It was like I was a whole different person, you know. It was out in the open. It didn't need me take me places where I didn't need to go anymore. And it was an abusive setting. I mean, the therapist had no idea what they were doing. The guy would come up and want to give me a hug after I shared, and it's like, get the fuck away. This is my body. I don't care who you are. Leave me alone. And they'd look at me like I was nuts. But I didn't know how else to say it today. I would just say, please back up a little bit, or no, thank you. I'm not into hugging today, you know. It's my boundary, not yours. Okay, that got me way out there somewhere. That's okay. okay. That's okay. Right. Well, it reminded me of a training that I took, and it was to work with people in a treatment center during aftercare. And um, at the very first meeting of all these people in training, the facilitator said, okay, go around and collect as many hugs as you can in one minute now. And I just stood there. And he said, why aren't you going and getting hugs? And I said, because I don't know these people and I don't want them to touch me. And he went, oh, my God, I never thought of that. And he stopped everybody. And he said, just stop. This was a stupid idea. You know, so one of the things that we've learned over the years about each other and ourselves is setting boundaries. And we weren't very good at it in the beginning. There weren't any. <laughs> well, there weren't any for a long time. That's true. And... Um, the second time we got into therapy, we had a grandson who came to live with us when he was two weeks old. And I had just started the happy child business, just gotten the grant, and I said, I'm not doing any more kids. You know, I've raised my kids. They're old enough to take their own baths and everything. And Richard said, I was never there for my kids, so I want to learn how to do this. And he did every doctor's appointment. He did the daycare interviews. He did everything for this little boy. And when he started to school, Richard decided he wanted to take him to get donuts every morning before school. And the poor kid had ADD, and so he's going to hype him up on sugar. And I said, no. And he said, who do you think you are? <laughs> How do you think you can tell me what I can do with my grandson? And so I said, okay, we need to go to therapy. And luckily, we had that therapist for a long time. And luckily, Richard would go. I know so many couples who broke up and never went to therapy, or they went too late and their therapy ended up being about how to break up. So 
That was one thing we give ourselves a lot of credit for is even as scared as we were, and I was just sure that there was a hole inside of me and that therapist was going to see right through me and know that I was just an empty shell. There were times I would come to meetings and I would visualize all the roles that I played. And I thought, if I give up these roles and just become me, everybody's going to come in next week and look at that chair and there's just going to be a puddle. And they're going to go, that was Frida. She gave up all her roles and now there's nobody there. So we have definitely been willing to put ourselves out there, go to therapy, get help any place we needed it. And now we just call it tune-ups. I mean, we've retired two therapists. <laughs> We're in our 60s and 70s now, so they've, someday we'll probably have to find another one. Anything you, you're thinking of there? Oh, you want? Okay, go. <laughs> I can have go my own it. meeting. I know. Well, you do. I know. So I, I want to go back to when I went to therapy in Parents United, and I came out of there, and I went back and worked with kids, and I felt like I was the Pied Piper. You know, I had all of this energy. I think it's like they're full of energy, and it just needs to kind of be guided, you know. And that was it. Let them have their energy. Just figure out a place that they can expend it. And then telling people that were facilitators in the groups, you know, one of these kids may come and say something to you. And you need to help them. They're reaching out to you. You help them. We became mandated reporters and we reported quite a few people. And irate parent would show up at night, you know, and they would get pissed about it. But it's like, we're here to protect the kids. We're here to honor the kids and we're here to respect them. That's our job. I didn't ever know that, but I learned it by looking at my own history, how things have affected me. I really had a lot of fun doing that. It was really a neat experience. I was reading a card. We went to a wedding before we came here tonight, and I was picking out a wedding card. And one of them said, I have met my soulmate, my best pal, and something else. And I thought, what a bunch of horse shit. You know, you're just getting married. You don't know each other, you know. I can tell you how long it's gotten me to where I am when I look at her, and I love her. And sometimes I think, what am I doing here? And then my mind goes, well, this is what you're doing here. So I have a lot of tools to play with to keep me going, you know, and you don't know that without having the experience. You can, you can read about it, but until you actually do it, I don't think it's possible to do. You actually have to get in there and do the work. So, yeah. Yes. I, used, I still tell people relationships are the best workshop in town. You can read about them all you want. You can take all the classes, but until you get in one, you, you, you don't get it on a gut level, I guess is what I'm trying to say. We have supported each other through wonderful times and horrible times. We've helped each other bury parents and siblings, and we've gotten to watch our kids get married and have wonderful lives and gotten to watch our grandchildren do and say things in ways that we never knew when we were kids. You know, we got to, I, I used to look at my family and think the dysfunction rolled downhill. It got worse in every generation. And now, because of what we've been willing to learn and practice on the kids, I can see that it's getting better. Uh, I remember one afternoon I was driving the boys home from school, and one of them, we always did highs and lows. You know, what was your high point for the day? What was your low point for the day? And normally the only response you could give was thank you. So you couldn't judge or you know, make any other comments. And so the little one said what his high was for the day, and it was some 
something about his schoolwork. And the older one said, wow, that's great. And I thought, oh my gosh, they're getting it. You know, they're learning how to praise each other, to give each other some self-esteem, things that my siblings and I never did. I guess my sisters tell me that I did a little bit because they seem to get this raising kids differently faster than I did. And I asked them about it one day. And I said, how come you guys quit spanking and, you know, got the parenting books and learned all this stuff? And I never did. And they said, Brita, we had you. And I went, oh, wow. So I guess, you know, there were some good parts to being the hero kid. I guess, you know, it helped some people. It didn't help me. It got me in a lot of trouble. But um, I don't know. Where are we going with this? <laughs> I'm your hero. Okay. Um, one of the things that we had to work through was um, my eye disease. And I knew I had it when I met Richard and I told him about it. And um, over the years, you know, it got a little worse here and there. And then all of a sudden, the day before I was going to start college, when I was in my 30s, I became legally blind. And I had to quit driving and, you know, couldn't do my share of taking the kids around and a lot of stuff. And there was, I thought maybe he would leave. You know, this is not what people sign up for, you know, especially when it's somebody else's kids. And But he didn't. He stayed through the whole thing. Still there. Still there. Yep. Thanks for joining me for this episode. It was produced by me, Brita Firm, and edited by Vaughn David. Our music is by Emmanuel Wild. If you like what you heard... Please leave a positive review and tell a friend. Also, tap subscribe and notifications so you won't miss a single episode. Remember, as you walk your reparenting path, you can take your time. You deserve all the love you want, and my love goes with you.